Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Workshop. In this episode, two recovered alcoholics break down one chapter of the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous line by line. Find out more at ladiesbigbook.com. Thank you for listening. All right, so I'm Allison. I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. And um, through the 12 steps and a relationship with a God of my understanding, I have not had a drink since September of 2011. Um, We're going to start with chapter we agnostics, chapter four. In the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We have hoped that you have made the clear distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If, when you honestly want to, you can't find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So we've used the last few chapters in the book to talk about alcoholism and all its different forms because it looks different for all of us um, in terms of the details, right? How, how we feel like it gets us. But it's going to give us a real clear-cut step one qualifier here, right? If, when you honestly want to, when Allison wants to stop drinking, not the judge or my boss or my boyfriend or my parents, but when I honestly want to, do I find that I can't quit and say quit? Um, and, then, and then also if, when I'm drinking, do I have a little control over the amount that I take? Um, but if I say that I'm going to drink a six pack, do I end up going back for another two bottles of wine? Um, because I can't keep that promise to myself just to drink that six pack. So it's telling me that I'm suffering from an illness, which only a, a spiritual experience will conquer. And, and that's why at the beginning, when I introduced myself, I said, um, as, the result of these steps and a, and a relationship with a God of my understanding, right? It was that spiritual experience that was gained through the steps that has helped me um, conquer this drinking issue. So to one who feels he is atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible, but to continue as she is in disaster, especially if she is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. But this, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were exactly of this type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experiences show that you need not be concerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered a long time ago but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could do all these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources as marshaled by will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Um, 
so I was someone who felt that I may be agnostic. I don't know that I felt really atheist, but um, I came to that point where they're talking about we're going to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis. Like those really were my choices. And as somebody who wasn't excited about, or even, um, I didn't even really believe a lot in the spiritual side of it. Um, but I was so broken by my drinking that I became willing to try anything, including the spiritual solution. Um, but it's pretty pathetic when I think back on it, that, um, it was a hard decision for me to make between trying to keep doing what I'm doing and seeing if I can make it better or control it a little bit or something, or just live with it, right. Live, um, this doomed, broken alcoholic life or spiritual principles, I mean, it really, you you would think that it would be so easy, but I, I was like, spiritual principles, okay. I was broken enough that I was willing to give it a try, but that's about as far as it was. I was willing to give it a try. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get saved. My drinking is going to go away. Um, because I tried to live on a, you know, have a good philosophy of life. I tried to have a good attitude. I thought I had certain morals and standards, and the truth is that I couldn't live up to hardly any of them because my own willpower um, wasn't able to overcome my, my alcoholism. It says lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live. And that had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. It means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. It falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God, or we have reopened a subject which our man had thought he had neatly evaded or ignored. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress during their childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? In, that, in those other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all of this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. <clears throat> he says, yes, we of alcohol, of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results 
even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So in this book, um, they're writing a book that they consider to be spiritual and moral. And, and when we're using the, when they're using the word moral, um, it's more along the lines of um, truthful and honest than it is about some sort of um, morality related to a religion, right? Um, but we are going to talk about God. And this is where um, difficulty arose for me and many other atheists and agnostics. Um, the good things for all of us who come into this program um, disillusioned by a relationship with a higher power is that the book addresses it right away. Um, and that it's not about telling us like, oh, no, you shouldn't feel that way. Instead, the paragraph starts out, we know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. I wasn't violently anti-religious, but seeing that some of us had been kind of made me feel a little bit better about my own lack of um, commitment maybe to this whole spiritual aspect of the program at this point. Um, and it allows us the, that space and then brings us back to the truth that is, even if I don't understand God or believe that some um, trinity of people put something together in a certain way, I still have as a human being these moments where I'm on a mountainside or in a meadow or um, on a beach. And I have to wonder, like, where does all this come from? Like, how did it all, this is amazing, right? And so while it is that it's helping me identify that there is something like that inside of me, there is a wonder and awe inside of me. It's helping me um, understand that as soon as I'm willing to lay aside my prejudice, any attitudes or bad feelings I have about God at this point are my thoughts and feelings about God. Um, and if I'm willing to lay aside that prejudice and even express a willingness to believe in a power greater than myself, that I'm going to get results. That's a promise of the program. Um, and even though it's acknowledging that it's going to be impossible for some of us or any of us to fully define or comprehend the power that is God. <clears throat> so as it goes on, it says, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another con another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, the spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new power, a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never excluding or foreboding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. So now, even those of us that are not of ag agnostic temperament, right? Even those of us who have relationships with um, a God of our understanding that we feel is very strong and, and very connected, um, 
that relationship is not having the impact on our drinking that we want it to. So if you are an atheist, if you are agnostic, if you are a true believer, all of this pair or this, this um, chapter, but specifically these paragraphs that we're about to read really do apply to you. Um, they say that we do not need to consider another conceptions of God, whatever your mama was using or your dad was using or your teacher was using, even your sponsor or, um, you know, your friend, the folks at the church you go to use. That conception of God um, doesn't have to be the one that you use. Your own conception, even if you feel like it's small and, and weird compared to what you know of what everybody else has talked about with their God, your conception is enough. Um, my conception of my God in terms of my real understanding of my God hasn't gotten a lot bigger. My trust for my God, my reliance on my God um, has gotten infinitely larger. But I don't have any more details about the guy's name or phone number or where he lives or, you know, like his origin story than I did when I got started because it turned out that that wasn't what was important. Um, all it took was me admitting the possible existence of a creative intelligence, the possible existence. Maybe there is a God. Maybe there is some life force energy out there controlling all of this. And I began, um, and the promise is that we begin to be possessed uh, of a new sense of power and direction. So not only do I feel connected in some way, but I feel driven in, in the directions that are good for me, good for God, good for this relationship. And then as long as I am seeking, and if my only seeking is the prayers that this book gives me, um, that's going to be enough. Um, yeah, to us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. So when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. Um, and this is going to apply from... This meeting, all the meetings that you ever go to, and anytime you read the word God in, in the literature, they're talking about your God. Um, this applies to, to other spiritual expressions you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. Um, and that was kind of a big thing for me because some of these things like, ooh, I don't want to, like, it talks in the book about people bristling from antagonism. Um, at certain spiritual spirituality, um, don't let your prejudice stop you from thinking about you. This is all about you. This is about your relationship with your God and how you're going to affect a conscious contact with it. Um, so don't let the words that I use to talk about my God stop you or any of the words you see later in this book stop you from um, moving forward in a relationship and, and seeking. At the start, this is all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first relation with God as we understood him. After we found ourselves accepting many things which seemed entirely out of reach, that was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited that was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a woman can say she does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically ensure her she is on her way. 
it has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. That's step two. That question there is step two. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe there's a power greater than myself? And if I'm um, really alcoholic and I've really done step one, then what I know for sure is that there is a power called alcohol and that it is greater than me. And so um, the answer to that question should be yes, um, no matter what my feelings on, on God are. But am I willing to believe that there is a power that is greater than myself, that is greater than that alcoholism, that um, is going to be able to help me? Um, as soon as I can say that, yes, I do believe and that I'm willing to believe or that I'm willing to believe, we can move on to step three. Um, that was the great news for us, for we had assumed that we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seems difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it could work if I would only believe as he believed. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. It was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides the seemingly inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning justice. Many of us had been so touchy that the casual reference to things, spiritual things, made us bristle with antagonism. That's the line I was talking about. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcohol destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this is a tedious process. We hope that no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. My truth and what the, the book is telling me here is that if I continue and want to continue resisting spirituality as the solution to my problem, I can do that. Um, if I want to hold on to the negative um, thoughts or feelings, connections that I have to certain spiritual language, I can do that. Um, if I'm a real alcoholic, at some point, my alcoholic destruction will put me in a position where I am either willing to become open-minded or have been beaten into a state of open-mindedness, um, or I'm going to just keep going on to the bitter end. And faced with alcoholic destruction, I soon became open-minded on spiritual matters. I was willing to say that prayer. I didn't understand it, and I didn't really believe that it was going to work, but I was willing to say it because I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness by my drinking. Um, the reader may still ask why she should believe in a power greater than herself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they were firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of a doubt. 
why this ready acceptance? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold so true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. They have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath all the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence, right there our perverse streak comes to the surface, and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read worldly books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists choose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? We who have traveled this ubiquitous path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have thought for ourselves. Instead, we looked at the human defects of those people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. In our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purposes, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. On one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Each one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As the celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare they have come, that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, 
happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seemingly seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why life, why life was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact in their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Um, this part of the book for this chapter, for me, for someone who really came into it in this agnostic state, being told that all I have to do is open my mind and consider and that I don't have to attach my wagon to anybody else's ideas and that I don't even have to hone in and crystallize and, you know, get my ideas specific, but that my willingness to seek and to ask and just be open was enough for that relationship to grow in a way that got me the result that I was looking for, right? Which is that I haven't had a drink in a lot of years. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for how do I get my, my, my life and my brain to not want to drink all the time. Um, and, but that top of page 50 where it says that whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. It, it didn't. Um, experiences taught us that these are matters which for our purposes, we need not to be worried. And I wanted to know everything and understand everything and, and be worried about a lot of things before I did them in this program. And there is a real sense of peace and ease that comes over me when I allow myself to read those words and believe them. That I'm on page 50. This book has another 111 pages in it. But I'm good enough to keep moving and get what the book promises right now because I'm willing and that's, and that's all I've got, you know, like, is that willing? Um, all right, John, I think I'm going to turn it over to you now. Okay. Good job. Can you hear me? Okay. You can just nod. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Donna. I'm not alcoholic. And um, my sobriety date is February 4th of 2010. And that is a miracle from a creator of the universe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's just dive in. Um, I'm actually working from a first edition today. So some of the wording might be a, a little different or page numbers and stuff like that. But basically, it's the same. Um, it says, this world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those, in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. 
The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered with superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. The contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. Others like them came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresy. Um, we ask ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were ancient, uh, as the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hall. Had not all efforts at flight failed before? Did not the Professor Langley's absurd flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best of mathematical minds had proven man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was all, almost an old story and the airplane travel was in full swing. Um, <clears throat> so this is going to give a lot of, um, examples of prejudice, right? And so my experience, um, was that I was not agnostic. I came into this deal thinking that me and God were fine. And, um, what I needed to know was that I, whatever I believed about God, um, I was going to come to believe something different. That, that was the hope. Um, and so part of that was understanding on some level that I was prejudiced, that my idea of God and what that was and my relationship with him um, was in some form fettered, was some form um I didn't have all the information that I was going to need. And so I had to at least admit, right. And I remember my sponsor, you know, looking at me and she was like, okay, okay, okay. Whatever you're doing, is it keeping you sober? And so, I, I mean, to that, I had to say no. Right. And so, um, you know, and I, and I even look so like, for instance, this Galileo thing. And I was like, what did Galileo do? And why did they almost kill him? Um, his um, thing that he almost got killed for was the idea that everything, that the earth was the center of the universe, right? Because it seemed at the time that everything was revolving around the earth. And he was almost killed for that. And he had to like the Romans made him uh, recant what he said and he lived the rest of his life um, on house arrest because it was just like, no, 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 no. There's no way that we are just part of a much bigger thing called the universe and that the sun is the center of the universe and we just revolve around that. Like it was just, you couldn't understand, right? Because we didn't have all the information at the time. Um, this is about faith, right? And the book is clear that my faith without works is dead. Um, so it says, but in most fields, our generation has witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman on Sunday sup supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I bet they do it. 
maybe not so long either. It is, is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discard old ideas for new, by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something new which does. Right, and how I think I always think it's amazing how much how applicable this book is, um, you know, 80, 90 years later. Because uh, how often do we do that, right? I, I'm doing that right now. I have I have never done anything online like this before. I'm not even on Facebook, um, but yet I had all the faith in the world, right? That if I got the right password that it would connect me to this meeting because at first I had just the login and I didn't have the password. And so it was like, Oh, I don't know if it's going to work. Right. But as soon as I got the other digits and I put them in and then it like popped up on this screen, I have no idea how any of that worked. I have no idea how this is working. Right. But I had faith that with the right passcode, it was going to work. And we do that readily. Right. You know, now my phone's a camera or, or whatever all is going on. Um, and then, of course, we've been to the moon, so we know that's doable. Um, it says we had, uh, yes, we had to ask ourselves only why we shouldn't apply our human problems to this same readiness to change the point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. We saw others solve their problems by simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe. We had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. Um, and I, my sponsor talks a lot about the difference in a belief in God and a reliance on God. And for me, that, that was kind of the crux. Like I, I, I was given a lot of faith. I've always kind of believed in a, in a higher power and never really had a lot of doubt about that. But the fact that I was relying on that, um, I wasn't willing to admit that I wasn't already doing that. I mean, I just kind of thought that it was just regular to get up and breathe meant that I was relying on God. Um, and now I know that that's not the case. And, um, and changing my point of view, right? And so that, for me, is, is part of what this, this program did, right? So the psychic change, the spiritual awakening um, that I'm going to have was really just a change in a point of view about my drinking, right? I thought that I was going to be able to stop drinking because I really, really needed to stop drinking, um, and that somehow I was going to figure out a way to do that. Like, as long as I could figure out a way to do that, I'm going to be able to do it. And unfortunately, that's what had to change. It was as soon as I stopped trying to do that. Right. I would, and I remember her telling me like, you, you don't even have to worry about not drinking. And I thought, well, how am I going to quit drinking if I'm not 
thinking about quitting drinking. And it was setting that aside and just doing the steps, just following these principles, just don't lie and cheat and steal anymore. Like try to do that. Um, and that helped me change my perspective. Um, it says the Wright brothers almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was a mainspring of their accomplishment. Without that, nothing could have happened. We agnostic, agnostics and atheists were, stink, were stinking to the idea of self-sufficiency would solve our problems. Sticking to the idea. When others showed us that God's sufficiency worked for them, we began to feel like those who had insisted the Wright brothers would never fly. Um, and so, like, the Wright brothers were just two auto mechanics. And the other guy, that professor, whoever, that made the flying machine, like, he's the guy that should have been able to do it because he was a professor and should have been able to figure it out. And it was these two guys who were working on machines, right, who actually had their hands on it, who were able to do it, um, which I just think is kind of interesting because it's not so much my philosophy on God or whatever that needed to change. It was what I was doing, <laughs> to access that power that really allowed me to change. Um, but it says that logic is great stuff. We like it. We still like it. It is not by chance that we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and inter interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said we don't know, um, which I think is beautiful. I think that being um, beaten into a sense of reasonableness looks like I don't know for me right to I, I don't know if I was ready to admit that I had a problem with God or that you know he had a problem with me or whatever it was um but I could say like I don't know I don't know why it's not working I don't know why my prayers aren't being answered or whatever I thought was going on um but I knew it wasn't working. And so not knowing why was that opening, was the beginning of being um, on the path, right? Um, when we became alcoholics, crushed by self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is either everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What is our choice to be? Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with a question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason towards the desired shore of faith. The outlines of the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flaggering spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. 
Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. Um, that was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, we had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith, for we did not believe in our own reasoning, for did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our own ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, objectively faithful to God of re- to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we had discovered that faith had been involved all the time. Um, and, and that, for me, doesn't happen here, right? So here, when I'm reading this, or here, um, <clears throat> I'm in the process, right? So if I come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, um, then I'm going to come to believe that. I'm not doing that right now. I'm not believing it right now. I'm being open to the idea that maybe I I could have more to learn, right? It always um, reminds me of like when you're you're convinced somebody, you know, that that was the person in that movie or that was the person that sang that song or whatever it is. And you and somebody else are like, look it up, Google it, you know, like right then. And um, the whole time they're just like looking it up and I'm tapping my foot and I'm thinking, "Uh uh-huh, just wait, you're going to see, you're going to see, you're going to see. And that's, that's where I was at this point. Like it wasn't that I was conf. I mean, I was kind of confident. I I really did think me and God did not have a problem and that I was going to be the exception to the rule. Um, But I was at least willing to say, okay, look it up. Like maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, And, and for me, then it was at the end, right. It was at the end of doing the steps. Um, You know, it was in the time of working with others that I realized right? That there was something missing. There was something I wasn't doing that was hindering God being able to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, And being approached by someone who had already done that and had that experience for me was imperative because I believed that she was really bad an alcoholic and um, and that she did something that made it different. And I was approached by someone with whom the problem had been solved, right? This wasn't somebody coming to me to talk about our problems. This was something, someone coming to me um, explaining how she found a solution right? Without it being a detriment to me one way or the other, like I was going to do what I was going to do or not do what I wasn't going to do or whatever. She was just there to bear witness, right? Like all I know is I felt exactly the same way. And then I did this and now I, I think I feel differently, or I know, I, I know something else um, about drinking or not drinking or God or, you know, sobriety, whatever all I needed new information with. The program being crazy, um, all those things I, I was super prejudiced about. We found two. Um, 
We found too that we had been worshipers. What a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring us bring on had not had we not vigorously worshipped people, sentiment, things, money, and ourselves. And then, with a better motive, we had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower. Who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing we saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It is impossible to say that we had no capacity for faith, for love, or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. Um, You know, I I talked to someone about this earlier, and they were like, you know, I never called the liquor store. (laughs) Um, I got in my car, and I went to the liquor store. Like, I had faith that when I got there, they were going to have vodka, right? But I didn't have to, like, say, okay, let me see the receipt where you purchased it before I drove over there to buy some of it, right? And in a, in a form, that's kind of faith, right? And that's why they talk about, um, like, electricity. Like, I have no idea how it works, but I'm pretty sure if I go over there and flip that light switch, like, my light's going to turn off, right? And that is just a beginning of where something can grow, right? I didn't think I was crazy, right? Because I hadn't been on psych meds or whatever, right? But now I realize that where my drinking is involved, that I was crazy. (laughs) Like I could not manage a sane thought around the idea I was not going to be able to control and enjoy it. I thought, surely if I can just figure out how to do that, I'm going to be able to do that. When in reality, I'm never going to be able to do that. And now I know that because I'm saying around it. Um, and I think I just lost my place. Um, imagine life without faith. Is that where I am? Okay. Um, <clears throat> we're nothing left but pure reason. It wouldn't be life. We believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points, yet there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling on to a destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. The electrons themselves seem to be more intelligent than that, at least so the chemist said. Hence, we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable on dependable, though it estimate from our best minds. What about people who prove that man or who proved that man could never fly? Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose from above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but liked to tell ourselves that it wasn't true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or another, it is there. 
for faith in a power greater than ourselves and the miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. Um, you know, I think it's interesting the insight they had without the scientific proof that we have today. I love watching like CSI or NCSI and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and on one of the shows, I found out that because a bullet went into a tree and then they were able to like scratch that bark and figure out what tree that was. Like every living thing has its own genetic code. We know that now. Like every tree, every bush, every blade of grass. And yet we, I mean, and, and it does that not at least a little more proof than they had that, I mean, something's going on. How can that be? You know, like facial recognition out of all the 8 billion people in the world, this computer can identify me by my face, by my voice, by my iris, right? Like they can do an eye scan and there's been no one, not only in the 8 billion people that are on the planet right now, but in every other person who has ever lived and died. I mean, that should at least be reason enough, right? To say maybe. Like, that's all we're looking for is a maybe anyway. Um, <clears throat> uh, I just lost my place again. Uh, and my pages are different, so now I'm more confused. Some of us had already walked over the bridge. Oh, we already did that, right? Imagine life without faith. We already did that. So hence, we did that. We finally saw that faith of some kind. Uh, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup. Just as much as the feeling we have for a friend, sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so, and it was so with us. And again, that for me just reminds me of this process and how, how it works, um, like the next chapter, right? So, so I did these steps, and um, so I admitted I had this problem, and I was open to the idea that something could help me that helped her. Um, and then I made the decision to do that, uh, to do the steps, right? I made this decision like, okay, whatever you did that got you to where you are from where you were, like I'm willing to do that. Um, and, and what that required, right, was this um, honest self-appraisal, right? This inventory. Um, and at the bottom of that inventory, right? So I get honest, I tell the secret in the fifth step. Um, and for me, that where it says that that's where he was. So deep, 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 deep down inside, 
um, underneath all my lies and, and cheating and conniving and hurt and fear um, that I had just been acting like it was no big deal. Like I'm fine and, and I'm thick skinned and, and, and I don't know why I would even need to go over that anyway or why I would need to tell you about that or whatever, that that's where he was, that that's where God was. He had put himself so far deep inside that it was, I didn't want to go there, right? It's kind of like if I have a friend and I, I know that she's there, um, but I never talk to her again and I never, I don't know where she lives and I'm, I'm not going to go see her. Like, I'm not going to really have a very good relationship with her, right? I, and God is the same way. I mean, my sponsor always says, if I can treat my relationship with God the same way I treat any other relationship, like, it takes time and it takes effort. And, um, and that is my part. Um, but we can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. This, with this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of our belief is sure to come to you. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it, that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dr- dramatic, convincing, and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church. A, he attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his intimate family embittered and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. One night when confronted in the hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend Gorge, friends Gorge rose as his bitter as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known were wrong? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he had lived in hell. Then like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? This man recounts that he he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with a certainty and majesty of a great tide of flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of an infinite power and love. He stepped from the bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place no later this vicissitude was has shaken it his alcoholic problem was taken away that very night three years ago it disappeared save for a few brief moments of temptation the thought of drink has never returned and at such times a great revolution has risen up in him seemingly he could not drink even if he would god has restored his sanity 
What is this but a miracle of healing? Yet this element, yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew. Even so, has God restored us to our right minds? Uh, to hit to this man, the revelation was sudden. Some of us grow into it more slowly, but he has come to all, but he, God, has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Um, I'm out of time. Sorry, I went long. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say before we close? It's okay if you want to take another minute or two. Um, just I love that part about um, it's broad and roomy and all-inclusive and uh, being on this broad highway. Like it's broad and roomy and all-inclusive just reminds me. Like it doesn't matter where you're from, like your sex, your creed, your race, your economic structure. You know what I mean? It's broad and roomy and all-inclusive, just like alcoholism, right? The solution had to be a significant substitute for my problem. Um, and it is. Thank you for listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Workshop. This recording is not associated with any AA group or AA world services. Find out more at ladiesbigbook.com.